0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for Conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Matt Shapiro.
1: Straw poll. We're going to talk about theology this morning: how we think of God and what our sense of relationship with God is. One of the ways in our tradition that we talk about God is thinking about God as a parent. Traditionally, God as a father. Raise your hand if that is a way of thinking about God, if that is a metaphor for God that is somewhat too very meaningful for you. God as a parent, God as a father, show of hands. Raise your hand if that is something that is somewhat too very not meaningful to you, something that doesn't really work. Great, thank you. Raise your hand if you're ready for me to stop asking people to raise their hands. So
0: <laughs> That's
1: what I thought. Okay, so we're gonna, in in grad school for years, for to help hand out source sheets. <clears throat> There's an interesting verse in the Parsha this week at the beginning of chapter 14 that gives us this concept, this, this idea of God very clearly. And so, what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna dive into it a little bit, see what we can glean about this concept from these verses, and then try to refract it back inwards to see what that might do for us. As a shameless plug, by the way, while the source sheets are getting passed out, um, myself and Miriam Hoffman, who's going into her last year of rabbinical school at HUC, um, we, as part of our Elul series, uh, pulled together by Rabbi Shots, of course, Um, we are uh, teaching a class called Building a Relationship with God in a couple of weeks, and we're actually going to be running that course about once a month in the course of the year. So if you like this, come check that out too. And if you don't like this, maybe you'll like the class better, so come check it out anyway. Um, There's this beautiful quote that I found as I was looking into these verses right at the top of the page. And it's interesting, as Rabbi Schatz was offering her blessings to rebecca and david talking about this idea of um our relationship with god as the beloved and it actually transitions nicely from that idea um into the idea of god as a parent this sense from michael rushegrad who's a was a contemporary philosopher of judaism philosopher, and philosopher of judaism god sees the face of his beloved abraham in each and every one of his children as a man sees the face of his beloved the children of his can someone can someone unpack that for me? What how would you say that if you weren't a philosopher? Like what, what is that what does that actually mean? Yes. Great. So that so that's kind of part one of this, right? God sees Abraham, God loves Abraham, and then God forms this partnership with Abraham to create this people. And then what happens? Then through that partnership, yeah, I would I would I would tweak that a little bit out and I would say that just like when I look at my kids and I see in my kids the face of my wife, of my beloved, when God looks at us, God sees embodied in each of us God's love for Abraham. Beautiful image, we could probably spend the next 20-ish minutes just diving into that idea but I want to bring it into the parsha a little bit because this idea is presented in the parsha but then it's a part of a verse that doesn't necessarily organically seem to make sense but that if we look at it a little more clearly maybe can can flesh this idea out a little bit more um, I will say for the folks who are are we zooming or are we live streaming what are we doing today I think both both I apologize, I didn't get the source sheets together in time. I was operating on pre-COVID time when I thought I could wait until the last minute before Shabbat to print out source sheets. I was supposed to get put on the website, sorry. Um, send it to you after Shabbat. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna pick it up. We didn't read these verses today, but, but the idea shows up. Um, someone wanna just read out beginning of chapter 14 in Dvarim? You should hear it. I should read it because they won't be able to hear it. Thank you, Rabbi Shatz. Um, you are children of your God. Lo godidu velo tasimu lamet. I'll read it as it's translated, although in a bit we'll we'll um, we'll undo this a little bit. You shall not gash yourselves nor shave the front of your heads because of the dead. for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. God has chosen you be a treasured people. These are lovely ideas. These are interesting teachings. They don't need to seem to necessarily organically flow one into the other. You are children of the Lord your God. Great. Don't cut yourselves. Okay. Right, like, I would like some carrots from the store. Great. Maybe we should have fish tomorrow. Sure. Right, like, those don't necessarily seem to organically go one into the other. And so, of course, our commentators, our rabbis, dive into this a little bit to try to understand what does one have to do? Why are we being told, you are children of Lord your God, followed by these particular thoughts, uh, practices and ideas. Okay? I'll try to keep... Sw- um, so this, so I've broken it down into kind of three, this is not very much to I've broken it up into three different ideas that we can dive into. Not your fault? You're in charge. Um... <laughs> Take some ownership right um, so we'll look at number I, I sort of number them out what does it mean to be a child of God to be a child of God it means you have to take care of yourself that you are a unique and holy being a unique person in the world and then because of that what does that have to do with those next with those next phrases that you have to take I keep reading so this idea from Shadal, who picks up on, on Rashi's comment, but expands it out a little bit. Shadal Shmuel David Luzzatto is a teacher in Italy. He says, because you are children of God, it is fit that you should be pleasant and not caught up and intentionally baldened, which is a verb that does Intentionally baldened. That is to say, you are the legion of the king. It is fitting that you should see on each other splendor and majesty, and shaved heads and cut flesh diminish in diminish cheap. Quick pop out and then back into this. This verse and a similar verse in Leviticus. I'm sorry, I wish I had like sunshine. We still got to get the like the astrodome. Or- um, this verse and a similar one in Baikra are the ones most frequently cited for why uh, people who are Jewish should not get tattoos, and that has led to sort of the common understanding and misperception that if you get a tattoo, you cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery. That is not true. For more information, you can read the tshuva. I just saw But Do you know who wrote the tshuva on Jews and tattoos? Rabbi Alan Lucas, whose name might sound familiar, uh, the father of our former associate rabbi, wrote a tshuva uh, for the conservative movement about Jews and tattoos. We can have that, that conversation later. Um, you can still get buried in the Jewish... Back into this. Um, what do people think of, of this idea from Shaddal? The sense that the connection between children of God, means you have an obligation to take care of your body. Resonate? Interesting? Doesn't make any sense? What do people think? Please. Great. So, saying that that might work conceptually, but if we're really trying to bring it down into the verse, it seems to be located specifically in relationship to mourning customs, right? That's, that's number two. We're going to get to that in a second. Right. Right. This might be a nice idea. Into the verse, recognize the whole verse. Yes that if we're gonna talk about it in terms of does it work fit into the whole verse, you have to acknowledge the totality of the verse talking about its relationship to someone who's dead. Other thoughts on this? Deborah Singer. Oh, hi Deborah. Interesting, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so Deborah, for those who might not have heard on the other side of the room, those who might not have heard home, is referencing that if, since I, 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 I walked into it, since I brought Abraham in at the beginning, <laughs> that there's a certain type of cut that God initially tells Abraham to perform that we continue to hold by, um, and there was a certain cut that Abraham almost made, Akedah uh, Yitzchak, the near sacrifice of Isaac. So if we're going to talk about when and how we should and shouldn't make incisions onto our flesh, that it's not necessarily a full blanket statement, right? That, that there are some ways in which is actually something you're commanded to do, and some ways in which you're commanded not to do it. Which, by the way, true of all kinds of things, right? There are things we should eat and things we shouldn't eat. Ways in which we should have intimate relations, ways that we shouldn't have intimate relationships, right? Ways that we should worship, ways that we shouldn't, right? I think that's true across the board and pretty much all aspect of our lives. Um, but yes, interesting that um, that's the... That's the thing kind of jumping off of it. One more thought on this, and then I wanna, I wanna move us forward. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's true, that uh, I didn't necessarily put, put that on this page. Like, of course, there's a whole bunch of sources on, on this. It seems clear that this probably is related to pagan practices on mourning that happened then. And so then this is a ourselves. This specific comment is talking about how not just should you not do what pagan people are doing, but it's also for how you should be aware of your body. Right? That, that's part of all. I'm going to use that if it's okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Warren through Deb. Appreciate you both. Um, I'm going to use that as a jumping off point into um, our next potential candidate for what this means to be a child of God. I'll um, be very interested. I'm not going to Prime the pump anymore in this. I'll be interested what people think of idea number two. The meaning of children is, from Ibn Ezra, now that you know you are children of God and that the Lord loves you more than a father loves his son, do not cut yourselves over anything that God does, for whatever God does is for the response. Chaim? This uh, God's God. everybody agree with Chaim? I have a, oh, Alec, I think that's exactly right. It's saying, you might be feeling this pain, hold that pain do it to yourself, have some faith and also make, I will say for myself, I have a very difficult time with this theology, but talking about theology isn't interesting if you only put sources on the page that you agree with. We're blessed to be in the tradition that has lots of theological ideas. This is one of them. I have a really hard time with the idea that everything God does is for them. I have an incredibly difficult time with that. And someone is, oh, yes, please. Hi. You're not even saying God, everything God is for the good. You're saying the, enti- the totality of the metaphor is real. It, it is not necessarily a simple metaphor to say God is a parent, right? If folks looked around. I would say when, I, when we did the straw poll at the beginning, I would say about 50% of folks liked it, about 30% of folks not so much, and 20% of people were already napping. or like, Right? But, but it's, it's clearly not a simple thing, and also predicated on, you know, our own understanding of what parenting is, and our own relationships with our parents, right? I'm, I'm very lucky in terms of the relationships I have with my parents, very positive relationships. I love them very much, they love me too. No, they, they love me too. Um, not everybody, I, I'm, I consider myself very blessed in that. It's very fraught, for some people, it's metaphor. Um, I'll also say that... Traditionally, of course, this is all framed in the masculine in terms of God as father. Um, but if we talk about God as parent, we can also think about God as mother, right? Harachamah, right? God as merciful. We'll condition about exploring that as well. Um, so I, I hear you. I hear you. It's not. Yes, I think we could very easily spend the next three hours getting into this. I, I, I think trying trying to parse out. What God actively does or doesn't do in the world is very difficult to do for me. And looking around at the world, the way the world works, and saying, "Oh, this is all God's doing, and therefore it's all good," and I also have a very hard time going into a more gnostic idea in terms of God only does the good stuff, and then there's all that does other stuff, and saying, "Oh, God just does the good stuff." Isn't God powerful enough to fight off schmutz that's going on? Right. So. It is a three-hour discussion, a right. oh. a passage, yeah. how, how Your sense of how powerful God is and your sense of God's goodness, one or the other of those comes into question very much. Let's get into the idea of process theology that Rabbi Artsen in, in the school there who is right around, right around the corner, talks about a lot in terms of tr- um, And it's present, right? And again, we're blessed to have a tradition that has lot of lots of theological ideas, right? So let's do one more, and then I'll try to bring us in for landing and then... We'll still do Musa Okay. This next one uh, is actually what initially caught my eye about this verse because I had never seen this before and I thought it was very interesting. We get into some rabbinic wordplay and what is noon on Shabbat for, if not time for some rabbinic wordplay. Um, it originally um, is uh, in, uh, in the Talmud and gets sort of communicated a bit more clearly in this collection of Midrash from Sifred Barim. Lo tit go to do, this phrase that is translated as do not gash yourselves, do not lacerate yourselves, do not form opposing factions, but all of you consolidate into one bond. I as in, mean, he founded his bond, his aguda upon me. The... So, what it's doing is this interpretation is looking at the verb tit go to do and saying, oh, this isn't actually about gashing, this is related to the word aguda. That there is a, a collective, a, a single unit, right? one, one, one cohesive whole. And to teach, right, to teach go dead is to create factions, is to divide up into different groups. And so what's being communicated here is that you shouldn't do that. That we are all children of God. And so because of that, we have an obligation, unity, within ourselves. I will say right now, that is clearly not the shot. that is clearly not the simple, straightforward meaning of the verse. And I think it's a really interesting I think it's a really interesting idea, and it's actually picked up as a source in the Talmud and further on um, for how you shouldn't have multiple courts in the same city. Hmm. You should only have one court in each city once to legal matters, because there should be um, factions, a system that that's division. <laughs> I'll also say, uh, Tisha is coming. Hmm. Keisha is coming. Uh, happy Elul, everybody. Uh, almost. Um, um, my favorite line in all the high holiday liturgy is that how we should make ourselves achatla, so make ourselves collectively as one unit do God's will. Um, thoughts on this understanding?
0: Cancer Chorny. So some of the people who are in this room studied this this commentary a few weeks ago on a Shabbat afternoon on Korach, on Lotik Godadu yeah, yeah. and this splitting apart. And actually, on the Talmud, I cannot remember which of the Mikro Gedolot um, off the top of my head had the comment, but it was on Shabbat Mincha that this is the source of Atah Echad, v'shimcha echad. Right. So this is the idea of the oneness, not only on the High Holy Days, but also like not just Aguda Echad. Um, but the idea that every week we're saying that. But the reason why I like this in the context of your source sheet is that I think low go go-to-do is something we often have to encourage people to think about at a time of death. Because the splitting into factions that happens at a time of death often amidst families is unfortunately maybe closer to the Bashat than we like to think about. Um, so that's new for me. And I, I don't know that that's so distant from the b'shot. The idea of instructing the Israelites to think about not um, gashing apart their family at that time seems pretty pretty on point. Um, and I like that in this context a lot.
1: Right. I appreciate, I really like how you read that I'll, I'll also say that part of what's bringing it back actually, the first source I brought to taking care of ourselves, it's also possible not only to have division, it's also possible within ourselves yeah. in our personality. We can have the parts of ourselves that we like, the parts of self that we don't like, the parts of ourselves that we say, I want to bring this into the world, the parts of ourselves that we say, I don't want to deal with that. In terms of trying to not just in general, not just bring home to ourselves, that's obviously a drosh on a dr- Um other thoughts on this, people like this low to John. Okay, so uh, I'll wrap this up by, by nodding to what I put here at the bottom, and then one more thought and then we'll go into Musaf. It's interesting to me as well that this first verse, which then goes into this second verse that talks about this idea of chosenness, that is its own complicated three hour at least conversation for where and how we see that today. In um, this idea of being loved by God and being cared for as a parent loves a child, and yet at the same time being said, oh, but you're special and you're not like anybody else, that seems potentially challenging to reconcile. Um, and these two sources that I put here at the bottom, one from Jonathan Sachs, one from Shapira, who is owns the Ish Kodesh, the rabbi 20th century, I think bring interesting thoughts to refract this idea through. I'll just... Biblical monotheism from Rabbi Sachs is not the idea of God's presence. On the contrary, it is the idea that you think is a really interesting idea then fed back into this idea of Gotta Do. right? On the one hand, we don't have divisions. Make sure there's unity. And then here, Rabbi Sachs is saying, make sure you recognize that holiness. <clears throat> and as we, as we move, I can't believe I'm saying this, as we move into the high holiday season, how, is it, how are we already here? Um, as we move into this high holiday season, this idea of God as Father, we're gonna be hearing it a lot, folks. Get used, Avinu get used to it, it's coming. Lots of Avinu Malkainu coming soon, I hear you. Um, what I would offer is each of these concepts potentially offers a way to rethink and re-envision and revivify your sense of what that metaphor can, whether that metaphor works for you, whether that theological understanding doesn't work for you. I think just like any relationship, Building a relationship with God takes work and evolves over time and shifts and grows, right? My relationship with my parents is the relationship it was when I was a younger adult. relationship with my wife, my relationship with my friends. My relationship. And so in offering these sources, I hope that this can bring a new way of thinking about that with God and what that is. <laughs> and I'll just close by sharing this source. I love that on the page his, his works are, are some of the most precious to me Hasidic writings. So I will I will close with his words and, and on their own. Like the son who rejoices to greet his father after not seeing him for several years, so too in our services we wish in our service we wish to feel our soul seeding towards its father for whom it longs, running and dissolving the dissolution be so blessed to the ideal form.